Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, where theology matters. So here we are again, the two of us, talking to you about the covenants, and so we've covered the early covenants. Last episode, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant. Now we're going to be talking about uh, Charleston Heston. And uh, so this is the Ben-Hur? The, yeah. Covenant. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The Ben-Hur covenant with. Um, I've never seen that, but I've heard. Let it's a really my people good story. go. Yeah. yeah. Ben-Hur. Yeah. Uh, I, it's about the slave, right? That revolts or something. In, that's in Roman. Oh, that's no, I think Ben-Hur is too. Is it? Oh, listen, if we're wrong, let us know. <laughs> yeah. <Hello. laughs> so um, I was checking all of the money we're making in Anchor and yeah. the app. And it's we're, like we're closing in on $10. Yeah, we're getting close. But they, they've added, I don't know if you saw it, they've added an estimated audience counter. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I think we're at 17. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, when we started this... We didn't know if anyone was going to listen. So and and none of those seventeen are our wives. <laughs> That's right, my, my wife. I'll I'll get in the car and I'll put it on. I'm like, hey, we got a good podcast to listen to. It's like, mer, 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 you know, Mike and Mike Theology Plus, and she just kind of looks at me. She's like, okay, I'll I'll listen to it. But she's this is <laughs> not her, me. This is not her uh, forte. This, yeah. is, this is not where you know she she just wants to love God, love people, and serve and stuff oh so. she needs to go to a non-denominational church then yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh where they just follow the bible right right yeah because only that oh yeah because yeah. they're the only ones doing right. that and we are non-denominational so are that's we good yeah we're not bible church well we call ourselves a bible church but we're not affiliated with any de- official denomination so I mean, John MacArthur would feel pretty comfortable here, so. Yeah, he would. He yeah. would. Does, but is he a denomination? I thought this church and him and, like, were part of a Bible church. Maybe yeah, an so uh, a short aside, many years ago, before I even came here back in 2002, um, they were a member of the IFCA, Independent Fundamental Christian Churches of America. But as I've been told, I wasn't a part of it that really became to to be I fight Christians anywhere was what IFCA really should have stood for because it was just a bunch of guys who always bickered with each other and was very legalistic and stuff. And so we pulled ourselves out of there. So I think officially we're, even though we call ourselves a Bible church, we're not officially affiliated with any denomination. Anything I've ever heard that starts with independent fundamentalist it doesn't end well. <laughs> and there, there's, that's a Baptist thing, too. Right, and yeah. Those tend to be the KJVO. Yeah. I think Stephen Anderson. Are there any the, independent fundamentalist Methodists? Never heard of that? <laughs> I haven't either. Okay, Mosaic Covenant. So I have, uh, if you want to read the Mosaic Covenant, here are your, your scriptures. You can write them down. Genesis 1 1 through Deuteronomy, <laughs> was it 34? Mosaic Covenant? Well, I wouldn't say Genesis 1 1. This is the, the specific instances Exodus 19 through 32. And there's some narrative, it picks back up 34 10 through 35 19. Uh, Leviticus 1 through 7 and 11 through 27. I don't remember what 8 
9 and 10 were, why I accepted those. Um, the numbers has some reiterations of the law, um, but there's also some narrative mixed in with numbers. Leviticus 8, 9, and 10 are the ordination of Abram and the death of Nadab, or yeah. not Abram, the Aram, yeah. Yeah. and the death of Nadab and Abihu. So Numbers 5, 6 through 21, chapters 18 and 19, chapters 21, 1 through 14, chapters 28 through 30, chapter 35 through 6, 35, 6 through 36, 13. So those, that's the number stuff. And then Deuteronomy, I've got chapter 29 accepted, and then the beginning and end of 31 accepted because of, there's some narrative part there. But basically all, to, all of Deuteronomy is the second law it's where Moses re-gives the law right before they go into the promised land. They're traveling from east to west across the Jordan into the promised land. So, um, But we're not going to read all that to you, uh, as we mentioned the last time, because that, be, that would be too long. So the Mosaic Covenant is structured after a suzerain vassal treaty. And the suzerain would be like some type of feudal lord to whom fealty is due. So it reminds me of all the uh, the books I like to read where people swear fealty to each other. Um, and then the vassal would be the person who uh, receives protection and land and some type of blessing from the um, superior feudal lord. And if you read through lots of places, not only in the in the verses I gave you, but on through the Psalms, it's often repeated, you know, I'm the Lord, your God who rescued you out of Egypt and God will kind of give this pedigree. I mean, he is God. So he could just say, I'm God, but not above and beyond that, he's done these things for these people. And based on those things that he's done for the people, he said, now I'm, you, you owe me, um, you know, obedience to, to these commands. <clears throat> Anything to add there? Um, or subtract. Well, one thing that's interesting in those types of covenants in the ancient Near East, they would take the covenant documentation and store copies. They would kind of give each other copies that they would store in their holy places and then bring them out regularly and read from them, I think, normally yearly, Mm -hmm. um, which I find to be interesting that later on in the New Testament, you actually see... Paul treating his own writings as covenant documents because he's commanding their public reading and all. So yeah. you, there's there's a lot of continuity there, but the, the Ten Commandments being laid mm-hmm. up in the Ark is another piece that shows the conformance to that type of a treaty arrangement. Yeah, so the Ten Commandments, a bowl of manna, I wonder if that's still around somewhere, and Aaron's staff were all put in the Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the signs of the covenant circumcision was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant and then uh, the law and the manna and the, the vestiture of the Aaronic lineage as the, those who would serve as priest, mm-hmm. which always kind of baffled me because prior to that time you had people offering sacrifice if they wanted to. And then post that time, you know, like when Saul, I think King Hosiah, um, others who have gone in and offered sacrifice, and that's forbidden at this point in time if you're not part of Aaron's line. Yeah, I mean, God makes that relatively clear. Strange fire. <laughs> yep. 
don't do that. Right. And then Cora's like, nah, but we going to do it. And God's <laughs> like, let's try this again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I'd like to see a Hollywood attempt at an, a, a depiction of Cora's rebellion and the earth swallowing them up. Yeah. That'd be an interesting thing to kind of visualize. Yeah. All right. Uh, just... For your uh, edification, some of the elements that were common to the um, treaty, the Suzerain Basel Treaty, and you already mentioned one of them was the filing of the treaty. Mm -hmm. uh, there's typically a ceremonial meal. There are witnesses. Which we see with the elders of Israel right. going up with Moses to eat before God. Right. Um, and I've got links to all these. If you're interested, I, I guess I could post some of these slides for the for the folks if they want to see what we're looking at. Uh, there's blessings and curses or stipulations um, from the laws of the king. As I mentioned, there's this historical relationship between the king and the people and why the people owe the king uh, fealty and the identity of who the king is that gets to reign over, over the people. Um, so we're not going to go through all of those, but... Um, yeah, I'll post this here up so that you can, you can see it. You can go through the, the slides and, uh, kind of see some of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, so let's talk about the Mosaic law mm -hmm. is, are we obliged to keep the Mosaic law today? You and I, I know this is repeated ground, but let's, um, I believe in the perpetuity of the Ten Commandments, which forms a part of the Mosaic Law. I do not believe those came into existence with the Mosaic Law. So, depending on how you frame the question, yes and no. Mm -hmm. But in general, uh, no, the Mosaic Covenant has been fully abrogated. And so we are not bound to follow that law. I'm not a theonomist. Right. So there are parts of the law that are eternal. And so we're obliged to keep those. But we don't keep them because they're in the Mosaic law. We keep them. They were in the Mosaic law because they're eternal. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, but it's there's a little nuance difference there because the way you're describing that is very similar to. Mr. Kokel? Like a New Covenant oh, okay. theology perspective of it, um, which I taught at one time. Um, I, I believe that the Ten Commandments are an entity sort of unto themselves that was applicable before Moses and continues in perpetuity through the Mosaic Covenant. And, and they were applicable to the other nations as well. Yeah, but... Well, just contrast, what about what I said? Are you nuancing differently? Uh, I mean, mainly it, it ends up breaking down to the how, treatment of the fourth commandment. Well, I, we have, I, I yeah, don't think but, I've said anything that would... Right, but... I mean, you know... If you, I, I know. If, if you don't take the fourth commandment as being perpetual, mm -hmm. then... You, you throw out all of Moses and then kind of bring back certain elements based on their repetition in the New Testament. And you say, ah, these must be eternal. And, and I'm saying, I believe the Ten Commandments are called out repeatedly by Scripture as a core of the law of God and that they go together as a bundle. And so typically the expression of that finds its difference in the fourth commandment. 
and how yeah, you treat it. I think that's the only one that some folks would push back against. Mm. Um, I'm still, even though some folks might push back against that particular one, and you might nuance the Ten Commandments differently, I don't think what we're saying about why you would follow the Mosaic Law or not is different because we are we're, unless you're some type of you know messianic Jew or something or messianic Christian well what we're saying is that the Mosaic covenant was between God and the Jews yes never the Gentiles anyways I mean Gentiles had provisions for coming into the Mosaic covenant to become part of the nation of but, Israel but then you would be no longer be a Gentile right was Ruth still considered a Gentile? Or once she became, once she entered in, she would The, the Mosaic in. Covenant was a governing law for the nation of Israel. Right, yeah. Um, so, and not for the Gentile nations. Right, How's that? right, yeah. And so we were never part of it to begin with. And then, as what we talked about earlier in pre-discussion, there's a lot of if-then clauses in the Mosaic Covenant. You know, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do good things, and generally you could sum it up as if you do good things and obey me, you'll be blessed. If you do stupid things and disobey me, then you'll be, get cursed. And, you know, there's a lot of folks. Just as a, and the history of Israel is, we're going to be good, God. <laughs> He's not looking. Yeah. <laughs> and mean, there's a lot of folks who take umbrage with God's treatment of the Canaanites and the different tribes. But the people who get God's generally harshest uh, punishments are his own people um, when they disobey him, or at least equal to. Um, there's some remnant that's left because he has made promises to Abraham and Isaac that he's going to fulfill to bring about the Messiah. But the the Israelites weren't free from harsh penalty, to say the least. Well, and there's this one verse that was pointed out to me. I don't remember who the teacher was, but... Um, a lot of people that seem to have that opinion that God is sure harsh on the people who live in the land of Canaan, um, they almost mm. seem to think that these things are existing in a vacuum. And there's this like morally neutral people just right. kind of bopping around the land of Canaan and suddenly, oh no, it's the Israelite, you know. <laughs> but if you go back to Genesis 15, which we read in the last episode, um, God is talking to Abram, and he's giving him promises. And then in verse 16, he talks about the exodus of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt and coming back into the land of Canaan. And he says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for, like there's a because, there's a causal relationship here. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete, right? And if you look in the law, there's so many times where God says, don't do this that's what the nations around you are doing and there's several things that are mentioned homosexuality is actually one of them where god says this is why the land is vomiting this people out well they had child sacrifice bestiality right yeah. and, and so but my point is given our national the current national right. debate and all um anyway so it's god is bringing judgment on the peoples in canaan for a reason. And, and to your point, we get a lot more information later on about the judgment he then brings against his own people. Mm. But um, it's not that that mentality just at its core has a henotheistic mm -hmm. um, 
perspective on things that who is God to come in and do mean things to these other people? Right. Well, he's God. Right. You know, I feel like pulling out my RC. What's wrong with you people? Right. They were full of iniquity. He was executing judgment on them for their sin. The fact that we are only really told the story from one perspective doesn't change the other facts that we can learn about what was going on there. So, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. No, it's good. Um, Tangents are kind of what we do. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're just a podcast of tangents. We we should rename ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, tangents matters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a. There was this question that um, in the homosexuality discussion, there's a guy, I don't remember who, it may be um, Sean McDowell, Josh's son. Mm. I think it was Sean. I could have had that wrong. But he was talking about homosexuality and people were getting all upset. And he said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If God exists, the God that I believe in, would he rightfully have something to say about how you express your sexuality? And they thought about that like, yeah, I guess he would. Okay, so really the question is, does God exist? And how can we know whether he, you know, let's move the discussion to not whether homosexuality is right or wrong, because God, if this is God's word, he clearly says it's wrong. Um, So in the same fashion, since God exists and he's the God of everything, he clearly has the right to judge those people who are acting wickedly and very wickedly. Right. Uh, Although sometimes it seems like people are more okay with him raining fiery destruction from heaven than using human tools to do essentially the same thing. Yeah. And I can sympathize with that. I can understand why they would be concerned because I think some folks have abused the I was told by God to come kill all these people motif. Um, that doesn't mean that when it really happens, you can disobey it because if that's what God says, you need to go obey it. But I think there have been other um, armies and people, namely Muhammad, who have gone on and you know converted people f- through violence, and th- and so that's what people that's what I I think that's what's behind people being uncomfortable with it. Like, well, if it's God, I'd rather it just be. God doing it so that you know man doesn't have to to take a part in it. I th- I think that's what's behind it. Okay, I mean, yeah. it, I don't know if this is clear or not, but that part doesn't really bother me. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as we're as if God's showing up and talking to you and telling you to do something, I you should probably obey. That's that's generally how the, that works. Ask Jonah how the alternative <laughs> works out. Uh so. Back to the Mosaic Covenant or the Mosaic Law. Um, so it doesn't apply to us today. There's a lot of if-thens. It was a breakable covenant, unlike the covenant that we had with Abraham. Uh, and it was a fulfillable covenant. Abraham is a fulfillable covenant as well. Right. So, yeah. I mean, so in Abraham, God says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. There's no Abraham, if you do this, if you do that, if right. you do Yeah. You know. Right, but almost the entirety of the Mosaic Law is God. If you do this, things mm-hmm. will go well. If you do this, you gonna die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after you go into exile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, 
there's a lot of weird things in the Mosaic Covenant. Yep. There's uh, proscription uh, against tattoos. Do you think that that <laughs> applies to You're us going today? There, huh? <laughs> I just thought it was a good object lesson. Uh, well, if we have people listening, I think they might need a little more context. Oh, well, I mean, you have a tattoo, right? I have a couple tattoos, yeah. yeah. So all I'm bringing up is that there are some parts of the law that we would take as ceremonial. There's a lot about being clean and unclean. And for the longest time, when I was growing up, I, I thought if you did something to make yourself unclean, that was sin. But I don't think that's necessarily the case in a closer reading of the law. Not always. Yeah. There, there Obviously, there were some mix. Yeah. There yeah. were some times that you could sin and become unclean. But if you had to take care of a dead body, you were unclean for a while. If, if you, you had sex. Right. You were unclean. And, and God <laughs> commands multiply, mm-hmm. which presupposes sex. Right. But yeah. So, and, and there were times where you could touch a dead body. And there were times when God said you can't, not even for a close relative. But there's, I would say that there's a general theme of care for the aged and respect for the bodies of dead people because of the representation it is of the Imago Dei, not a veneration of relics and all of that stuff. But um, I think we were, you were supposed to touch dead bodies to give them a burial Mm -hmm. and and show them respect. And that made you unclean. And so you were doing the right thing and the right thing made you unclean. Right. Uh, so there's some ceremonial law there, you know, the uh, not only for the people, but there was some ceremonial law for the the priest or even the people who would help the Levites who would help out in the temple. Um, there was civic law. So when we in our society today, if we break a law, there's a penalty that accompanies that law. We would, we would say that's the civic. So you, the law may represent the moral part, even though people don't like talking about laws having a moral foundation in our society today there is there should be some moral foundation to every civic law that we have and then the prescribed penalties would be the civic penalty so we might agree that homosexuality is still wrong today we do um we don't agree that the civic penalties would be the same in our society as they were in god's in the society with the jews that god is setting up correct so um, there's a difference there and then there's the moral law, which we would say is represents the eternal nature of the law. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at the Mosaic law, it's kind of a, a mixed bag. You got to read and understand. I think even though you were you were kind of saying some things negative, I, I think a good guide is if that law that rule is repeated in the New Testament. That's a good 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 way to know that this is part of the moral law. It's something that is repeated and, and ongoing. Yeah, and well. I also think that there's a lot that we can glean of a moral nature from the civil laws that may not apply in the same way. Um, So we can see a ranking of if certain things called for death and others didn't, we know they're both wrong, but these are the things that God really was offended by. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't know that I would disagree with that. But, for instance, um, part of the Mosaic Law was you had to have a rail or a fence around your roof. 
Okay. Because in that culture, they spent time on their roof and the fence there was for yourself and for your neighbors and all. It, it was a safety measure so that they wouldn't fall off the roof and get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard a teacher say, we don't do that because we don't hang out on our roofs. We have the pitched roofs and all of that. So we shouldn't build fences around our roofs in, in our culture. But the principle's there. But that's why we build fences mm-hmm. around our pools. Mm-hmm. The same right. principle that undergirds that civic law, civil law, is protection of life mm-hmm. and, and safety. And so in some ways, that's a good rule that we mm-hmm. have. And I know a whole lot of conservatives kind of hate uh, government regulation and all, but I think that some government regulation, I mean, good Lord, Israel had a lot of government regulation, you know, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, and the, there's some peculiar things in the the um, Mosaic Law too, and I'm sure we're probably both in violation somehow, because one of the rules was that you shouldn't wear clothing of mixed fiber. I may not be. You may not be. You may be. I'm, I'm just thinking through everything I've got on. I don't know. Often I'm in violation. Yeah. So, but the principle is, you know, like we were talking about how evil the surrounding nations was. This was a picture of not mixing with the other nations you want to be pure want to be set apart and again i think that's the principle that we could you know paul says that we're not to be unequally yoked in our marriages it probably extends to you know big business deal agreements and stuff like that you might not want to go into business with someone who has a completely different worldview than you Mm. um so what about the one that says don't boil a kid in the mother's milk yeah i this has been a baffling thing, and I've read through it. So a kid, we don't mean a child. We mean a, a young goat. A young goat. Yeah. Um, I th- the, Moses says something like, you know, you shouldn't kill the thing in the in the liquid that it's supposed to have provided nourishment or something like that. I, I don't know. What do you What do you think? Have you figured it out? No, they're just there seems to be certain relationships that God wants to preserve, and it seems perverse perverse or cruel or something i mean that that just doesn't seem like what a normal person in normal circumstances if you've got a lot of goats why would you do that yeah i don't know yeah but i don't have a great answer it's kind of a there is a uh like i was saying a prohibition against um tattoos along with certain uh hair markings uh, cutting your beard. Yeah. I've, I've heard a couple of different theories. Well, everything I've heard and read say this is related to other cultures, practices once someone dies. I've heard some folks say that's because they're trying to disguise themselves so when they came back from the dead, they wouldn't recognize them. It was like a post-mortem type thing. Regardless, um we don't think that the, especially you, don't think that the prohibition against tattoos ex- extends to us today. Well, I actually don't think that Israelites were totally prohibited from having tattoos. I think that... It was just those ceremonial ones? Yeah, I mean, because if you look at Leviticus 19.28, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I do 
buy into the interpretation that because there's a parallel passage i don't have it off the top of my head but there's another one that doesn't mention tattoos but it mentions disfiguring yourselves on account of the dead mm-hmm. um and it, it seems very reasonable to me that that is uh so that this ghost doesn't come back and kind of curse me i'm going to make myself so that the ghost can't recognize me so mm-hmm. uh, i don't i don't think pigment in the skin is a moral issue to god can it be certainly i've seen sinful tattoos (laughs) Uh, i'm not arguing Uh, against that but i don't think it's a um yeah blanket prohibition we're just looking around if you look in the uh, we're i think this is the first time we've ever recorded and it's raining but it's really come it's really coming down here (laughs) in, in uh charleston right now so uh yeah okay so why did we, at least for me, I kind of steered us to talking about this. Why did we talk so much about the Mosaic Law and the fact that there's some ceremonial parts, there's some civil, civic parts, there's some moral parts? At least for our society today, you know, there's this huge push that um, we can throw out large chunks of the Bible. I, we're Christians today are accused of being uh, picking and choosing which verses we're going to follow because we would uphold things like a man shall not lie with a man like he lies with a woman. But then we turn around, and we eat catfish and shrimp, which are also would be prohibited in the Mosaic law. And, and so what we're saying is that one, if you're going to understand the Mosaic law, it takes some time. I don't think it's as accessible to us you know, 1500, what, what, not 1500, 3,500 years removed. Um, just because we're not in that culture. So some things that would probably readily make sense to them back then may not make sense to us now. Um, that doesn't mean that we just throw it all out because the proscriptions against homosexuality are there twice. They're rooted in Genesis. You know, what's funny. Jesus repeats it in Matthew 19, and Paul goes on to repeat it throughout the New Testament. Go yeah. Ahead. Interestingly, let's throw out Leviticus 18 and 20, but not 19, because that says love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that one we want to keep. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't throw any of it out, actually. Well, you know what I mean by throw it out. No, I know what you mean by throw it right. out, and I know what other people mean. I mean, right. they mean throw it out, throw it out. Right. Um, I, I think it's all still applicable but not necessarily binding. Hmm. It's well, still useful. It still sure. teaches us. Right. We can um, learn from it. And well, the, the principles, like I, like I was talking about with the, you know, the fence around your roof. I believe that principle is still binding. It's just got a different expression these mm-hmm. days. You know, I think a whole lot, maybe all of the sexual behavioral rules are totally still in effect. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because of Sinai, but because they represent true expressions of the character of God. Mm-hmm. You say not because of cyanide? Sinai, where they were given? Mount, Mount Sinai? Sinai? Yeah. Okay. It's not like you said cyanide, like the, the poison. No. And I was wondering, did I miss it? seems that? like an odd grounding <laughs> reason. Uh, all right. Um... There is a section, and I was looking for it. It's at the end of Deuteronomy 35, 31. 
Not 35. There's not a 35. <laughs> Don't look for Deuteronomy 35. Um, where Moses is basically told they're, they are going to fall away. I don't know if you... Do you know where, where that verse is? I don't want to sit here and read uh, 29. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Moses knows <laughs> that they're, they're not going to keep it. They're going to they're gonna fall away from it. Uh, I, I often wonder how much Moses knew about God's overall plan for redemption and stuff. I don't, I don't know. Um, anything else? that we're missing that we should address the abrogation of the mosaic law. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? It was okay. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. I mean, I think you go to Hebrews eight and it's extremely clear that the old covenant is gone. It has been made obsolete because there's a new and better covenant in Christ. Mm -hmm. And Christ fulfilled the law. Yes. He told them that nothing from the law would pass, not a little jot or tittle until all would be fulfilled. I take that to mean his fulfillment of it as living a perfect life, having positive righteousness and merit, fulfilling the things that were required by the law, and then uh, his death, through his death, ushering in a new covenant. I see, and that's from Matthew 5. I see in Matthew 5, he goes on to kind of exposit the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And I think that the law that does not pass away is more narrow. Because, yeah, I mean, you look at the way the law is used in the New Testament. I did air quotes for the audio listeners. And it can mean the Ten Commandments. It can mean the Mosaic Law. It can kind of mean everything in the Old Testament. So there's, anyway... Yeah, so interestingly enough, I got in a discussion with a Messianic Jew who I was just actually about to preach what I called the scariest passage in the Bible, Matthew 7. Yep. And got and Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And in the Greek, it's actually, depart from me, you workers of, of lawlessness, those who don't keep the law. And he was trying to push that on me like, see... The Mosaic Law hasn't passed away. And I'm like, okay, are you going to tell me every time that that comes up in the New Testament, it always means exactly the Mosaic Law, it, you know, just that. And I was like, I don't, I don't think you can support that. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Davidic Covenant next time? Sure. Showing why it's being fulfilled right now. Yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting discussion. Is Jesus on the throne of David now? Or is he on the throne he was always on right now? Is God the son of both? (laughs) Yeah, so tune in next time. We got to do our tag. Okay. Hey. (laughs) Look at that. Okay. Uh, Think well. Walk humbly. Love mercy. And do justice. Bye. Thanks. Bye.
You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. 